your role is to manage the work, not actually doing the work. If you actually end up doing the work, you're not actually managing the work. I am an actuary. I am an actuary. I am an actuary. Welcome to the We Are Actuaries podcast, where you'll meet leaders who use their actuarial powers to solve a range of problems and make a real difference. I am your host, Julia Lessing, and I'm a qualified actuary based in Australia. I help actuaries develop communication and leadership skills to build great actuarial careers. So settle in, learn from the best, and be inspired. Hi, everyone. And today we're talking about making the transition from being an individual contributor to being a people manager. And joining us for this discussion is emerging actuarial leader, Alex Long. Alex is a senior actuary of the Wealth Protection Valuation Team at Resolution Life Australasia, and he has over 10 years of experience in valuation, pricing strategy and data analytics across life insurance, wealth management and banking. Alex spent three and a half years in Hong Kong in his early career, but relocated to Sydney in 2013, which was the same year that he completed his actuarial and CFA exams. Alex has been an active volunteer at both the Actuaries Institute and the CFA Society Sydney, focusing on education development and mentoring. He is also a graduate of the Guardian Actuarial Leadership Program. Alex has a strong desire to develop skills in stakeholder engagement and strategy, and at home, he's expecting a second child later in 2023. Alex, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me, Julia. (laughs) So I'm really looking forward to hearing some of your stories, reflections and learnings, uh, Alex, as you've made that transition. You've been in a people management role for a little while now, and looking forward to hearing what you enjoy about it, what you found challenging about it in this interview. But I thought, could we start with uh, you telling us a little bit about your career path to date? Yeah, sure thing. Uh, Yeah, thanks, Julia, for doing this for me. Uh, Yeah, so my journey so far, like, is, like, I would say it's not like a traditional path, like, uh, in a way, so basically, uh, my back, a little bit of my background, I grew up in Hong Kong, I came to Australia for university. University and completed my actual program in um, in Canberra ANU, uh, and then after my graduation, I went back to Hong Kong to work for a few years. I uh, my first few years of experience was largely in investment and commodity research, so I didn't actually really have a, a traditional actuarial path to start with. And then after a few years, I decided to lo- relocate uh, back to Australia, and I reside now have been residing in Sydney for a decade, and then. And yeah, and that's actually the start of my actuarial journey. And my really first actuarial role was a valuation role in a retail wealth management function of Clearview. So it's a life insurance, but I worked in the retail wealth management function. Mm-hmm. And then after that, I worked in Macquarie for a short period of time and where I gained some experience in banking and wholesale wealth management. And interestingly, like my current role in at Resolution Life, like it's really my first life insurance traditional mm. uh, actuarial experience. Mm. And it's where I have my first taste of life insurance, but also like stepping into a team lead role, uh, managing the technical and delivery aspects of the wealth protection book uh, of the company. Mm. What a diverse career that you've had, Alex, working across different practice areas and different countries as well. I'm sure you've learnt lots of different things in those different roles. So Yeah, yeah. 
Journey so far is not necessarily a smooth one, uh, smooth in a single company one, uh, but uh-huh. I have been enjoying it, yeah. Good, good. And so you said you're in a team lead role now at Res's Life. Before you tell us a bit about what that's like for you being a, a leader, I've often noticed that one of the things that really shapes us as leaders and managers is the other managers that we've worked for and the diversity of experience that you've had working in different companies. Mm. Um, You've probably worked for a lot of great leaders over your career. Can you tell us about one of them and what was unique or different about their management style? Yeah, sure thing. I think like there are different kinds of like managers like across different companies, like even within the same company, like like we say that like, oh, most companies say that they have a single culture, but actually, like within the culture, there are still different kinds of people that That's true. like like in like uh, they're in different styles as well. I guess like the one that I probably very uh, impressed like uh, is that uh, it's actually a quality that I'm still striving to develop is how to be calm, always calm, calm. and okay. positive and mm. optimistic about about the future. Being a leader is not just about, okay, I need to be innovative, I need to be delivering this and that, but it's also about how you actually make other people comfortable. Very often that's like when you are in a leader role, you will be very stressed, like, you know, because like there will be like there's a lot to manage from the up, from the senior stakeholders. There could be external stakeholders that they regulators and things like that. They actually keep giving you pressures. And on the other hand, you don't necessarily know that like you don't necessarily always have the answer. And so being calm at first, like making sure that like you can have the logical thinking sorted, always um, have the ability to the ability to actually think through the issues and gathering like the pieces that that, that, that are absolutely necessary, understand what can, what is needed and what is not needed, what is good to have, what is not good to have. Uh, I think that is actually very important. And one experience that I actually have like from my personal experience is the, like when I was with Macquarie, because of some organizational structural change, a really well-respected leader actually had to go. And it was a shock to everyone that like because like that manager has always been performing uh, and everyone at the working level really loves him and learned a lot from him. And it came as a shock and panic to everyone. No one know how to, knew how to react uh, after the news uh, uh, came out. Uh, what surprised me like back then was how calm that leader actually was. Like even when he was actually facing such a situation, and he actually came to every function, like to just say hello and have an individual chat with the with the team to uh, say hello and then just have a chat about like the changes that is happening. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's he remained really really calm like all the way through. And after that, I actually spoke to him like more in a more private situation. It's not that like he's not unhappy about the situation or he's not frustrated. He, he's definitely not frustrated or unhappy mm-hmm. about the situation, but he showed that the quality as a leader that's like even when something averse, like really like unpleasant, like happening to him, like he remains calm and not actually inf- letting the negative inf- uh, emotion out and influence the people like around him, around him and he's always there he's always he gives me the impression that like he is always there to motivate people to 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 achieve their individual goals so i guess that is really like a, a style that i i i feel like i 
personal literature a lot. I can like see the merit of it. Mm. Uh, yeah, I guess that is my experience. Yeah. Yeah, that's really interesting, Alex. So that the calmness of that leader, despite being in a very challenging situation, the calmness was a very important quality for him to show great leadership and to support the team throughout that process, even though mm. it had come as a shock. Mm. And it can be very challenging too when those things happen, especially when there's emotions running high. And I know we talk a lot about authentic leadership and sometimes people think authentic leadership means that everybody needs to know exactly how you're feeling, but it's not always the case. Mm. It sounds like he, he was still aligned in the way that he was behaving. He was authentic mm. in the way that he was presenting, but he was presenting a more intentional kind of approach and the way he was showing up um, mm. without sort of sharing that frustration and shock that it, or reflecting the frustration yeah. and shock that everyone else Yeah, I, I guess the thing is also that, like, it doesn't help. Does it help? Like, like if it doesn't help, like, try to be calm and positive mm. and mm. don't, your your like very often we don't notice that that our uh, negative emotion actually influence other people in a yeah. really bad way, and you want to make sure that they feel comfort. Everyone, I see, as a leader, it's your responsibility to be like to take care of the like the feeling of the team members and making yeah. sure that they don't negative they don't get negatively uh, influenced in a way. Yeah. 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 Mm. Definitely. Mm. Okay, that's a really interesting story. Thank you for sharing that with us, Alex. So turning to your own role as a leader now, and you said you're in a team leader role, what do you enjoy most about being an actuary in a management role? It's definitely the transition from being so close to the details to like being able to see picture, the bigger picture, seeing things mm-hmm. from a more helicopter view, uh, being able to cover different aspects, making sure that like the work that you understanding the fact that like your your piece of work not just impacts this particular function, but could potentially impact other functions. Mm-hmm. And you have to manage that relationship as well. So for example, when you say like very often we got we got told to do this piece of analysis in a valuation way. The next question would definitely be uh, what is the implication on the capital side of the thing and stuff like that. So being in a uh, a management role, you could definitely have the exposure to cover more aspects and actually do a peer review between different functions and you gain learn you, you do learn a lot like from that process itself. So that is the first one. The second one is actually I, I personally enjoy a lot is to, is to have the opportunity to uplift and promote your team members. I personally I'm not a good talker obviously but uh, I I feel that like sometimes when I bring along the the team member who actually does that piece of technical work and into the conversation, I can uh, we we can I generally I could manage the conversation upward much better because mm-hmm. I have enough detail. I always have enough details. I always have the help mm-hmm. from the team member who did the work and actually help me to fill in some of the gaps that I might not have mm. the exact details. So, and also on the other hand, it also gives them the opportunity to sh- showcase their excellence in front of the more senior stakeholders. Mm. Uh, so that is really one thing that I personally enjoy a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
So that's a win-win situation because mm. you don't have to be across all the detail. You can bring the team member who's done the work and they've got all the detail if they need, if you need to draw on that. Mm. But also it gives them an opportunity to raise their profile and contribute Correct. and also see where their work is going too. Correct. The, and they the, deserve it. And I have to say that they yeah. deserve it. I don't necessarily, as a, as a team leader, I it's just my style. I don't feel that like I always own the entire piece of the work. I mm. Often I would be the face of the work mm. but i don't actually and we know that it, i know that's deep in my heart i don't own the whole entire piece mm. i have to make sure that like the team members also get exposed to the level that they deserve to be and a lot of them are actually quite keen to get the exposure mm. and that's like I'm hoping that also in the future, like we doing it this way, we could maintain really good working relationship because I know that at some stage, some of these talents like in the team, they could well be my manager in one day, in the yeah. future. Who knows? Yeah. So I guess, yeah, it's a really good way to actually lift each other up yeah, as I actually promote them. Yeah. Sounds yeah. like you have a very healthy mindset around management and what that role looks like uh, while also being able to get things done, but in being able to leverage the skills and the work that the team is doing and also giving them the credit for the work that they're doing too. So everyone is is learning and developing and mm. getting the credit for the work that they're doing. So excellent. Mm. Mm. And it also seems like that then lets you step out to be able to look at some of that big bigger picture type thinking and to see okay well here's what the team's doing but here's how it fits in with the business more broadly so without you being tangled down in the details of all of the technical work you're able to to see where you know see how that fits in in the bigger picture as well which is very powerful Okay, so that's what you've in, what you enjoy about working as a, a team leader. What's something you found challenging about working as a team leader? Yeah, well, I just mentioned that that's like it's a transition from being so close to the details, and mm -hmm. uh, I think that aspect is something for new managers to really um, be be careful of. Like, um, mm -hmm. they would definitely be a transition that like you you need to be less close to the details and give people the opportunity to refine and take out the details for you. And in doing that process, it can be frustrating because you know that like you have done similar things before. You know that if you are actually the doer, you could definitely get it right in mm. one go. Mm. Uh, much quicker at least. Much quicker. But not necessarily the case that when you actually have your team member to look after that. And often in the situation that like it doesn't things don't fall out the way you think it should be. Mm. Like you start becoming impatient. You know, sometimes you can even become a little bit emotional too to to the, your team member and that is one of the common mistakes that i've seen and including myself i made the same mistake before that's like you're not lenient enough to your team member because mm. there can be many reasons why they don't deliver to the same standards that you desire to, mm. to have because maybe because they don't know the enough background they don't actually know what the context is they don't mm. Also, very often also they don't necessarily have the right skills and it's your responsibility to uplift that skill mm. to get them to get to the level that's like you hopeful you hope that one day you can become one of you mm -hmm. so i guess that is one thing that's like uh, one of the common mistakes that i've seen is definitely that like um you 
relationship is actually very hard to save once it's damaged. Mm, that's true. With your team members, you definitely want to maintain a good relationship. And it is important that because you know that you and the team member are actually on the same boat. Like mm. if he or she performs, you will perform. And That's if right. they don't perform, perform, you will end up having a lot of workload, additional workload on yourself. And you mm. don't want that. And that is not that is not the responsibility of a team leader as well. It's in mm. like your your role is to manage the work and not actually mm. doing the work. If you actually end up doing the work and you're not actually managing the work. So I guess that is the one aspect that I people do uh, new managers definitely want to keep in mind and it's that's like you always want to maintain a good relationship with your team members and that is the first thing mm -hmm. second th thing is more about managing upward is that like you will get as you get more exposures to different elements in the in the organization you will often be in a situation that like you just get an order and then just try to do something but without actually questioning why you're doing that mm -hmm. so you always want to be you almost always want to be part of the thinking process like reach out to people understanding why your your team is being engaged to do this piece of work and mm -hmm. where does it actually flow through and so that you can contribute to the process uh, in a way that first you set the right expectation what can be delivered what cannot be lived be delivered with this time frame or with this level of resources. But second, also influence the how the solution itself sh should actually be crafted in the first place. Because like you doing it that way, like you could potentially have a more refined way approach to to um, to tackle the problem rather than because like some of your senior stakeholders they may not actually know the exact details and by doing this you're illustrating that you're adding value to the process and that is one thing that i would definitely recommend like be like your role is no longer just to do the work but actually managing the conversation mm. as well so that those would be the key two tips from the more like technical managerial aspects like um yeah that i would yep. like to give to the new managers yeah, yeah, excellent. So if you had one tip for actuaries stepping into management roles, what would it be? I think I've given two already. Uh, yep. But if you're asking me for more general advice, I actually would say like be in the office and connect. I think COVID has really speeded up the involvement of flexible working a lot. And I personally benefit a lot from it. I have a two-year-old daughter. I have a pet. I am expecting a second kid. Indeed, I don't even know how in the past people managed to, to do all the drop-off and pick up uh, like while they are being required to go 100% into the office. On the flip side, working from home is also stopping a lot of the random conversation between people. And mm -hmm. Being a manager is really like about like being the bridge between people. In, uh, so I I would say that actually, especially for actuaries, because actuaries are very disciplined. Like I, across mm -hmm. the like that's the general observation. But we also come often very very often come with introvert type kind of biases. We don't talk to people enough, mm -hmm. and so in order for you to to showcase like uh, that your desire your your that you to your stakeholders that you actually want to work more and work better it's actually never been easier by just going into the office showing your face having a conversation with your leaders um to to 
build that relationship. And often, like very often, what you I find is also that sometimes an opportunity falls into you so, simply because you are there, not necessarily because you have the ideal skill set,、mm, but、so、just、I、because think, you're there and they see you. Yeah, correct, correct. So I still. Building that momentum up, like I started with, like one day a week, like about a year ago. I now I'm ramping up to perhaps two to three days a week,、okay. uh, to be in the office just to have a conversation with other people, and and you just don't know what you what you get out of it, like.、Uh, but it's a good effort. I, I think it's an effort that I would like to continue to invest.、Mm-hmm. Yeah.、Mm-hmm. Nothing beats that face-to-face contact, even even with the technology that we have at our fingertips these days. It's not quite the same, is it?、So. That's correct. Yeah. Yeah. So some great advice there, Alex. You've talked about the importance of、uh, being calm, and as good leaders, being calm and projecting a calmness even when things are a bit uncertain. You've talked about the benefits of being a manager in terms of being able to bring the bigger picture and see the bigger picture as well when you're not doing the technical work. You've talked about how you like to bring your team members along for those conversations, which is win-win for them and. For you, because they have the details at hand, and also they have an opportunity to showcase what they've done with more senior team members too. And you've also talked about the. I loved your quote in there around if you're doing as a as a manager, your job is to manage the work,、uh, and if you're doing the work, then you're not doing your job. You're managing. You're not managing. You're doing.、Uh, I think that's a really important mindset to have as we step into that managerial role because it can be such a a new a new way of working, a new way of showing up, and some great tips around、uh, building your presence and and being in the office and some of the benefits of being there in person. So, Alex, thank you so much for your time today. I'm sure those tips will be very Helpful for the other actuaries who are listening today, and it's been a, an absolute pleasure to have this conversation with you on We Are Actuaries today. Thank you. Same here. Thank you, Julia. This episode was brought to you by the Guardian Actuarial Leadership Program, a small group program designed and delivered by actuaries to help you make that transition from technical actuary to great actuarial leader. For more information and for show notes from today's episode, visit www.guardianactuarial.com.au. Until next time.